Hello and welcome back to the third episode of the Most Traveled Podcast. I'm Joe Altaffer, back here with my dad, Bill Altaffer. And today we want to talk about a specific trip that my dad did many years ago. And my first question for you is, what's so great about South America? Well, South America has a bit of everything. It has the culture of uh, Buenos Aires, reminds you of... uh, the nicest parts of Paris, and it has the jungles of the Amazon, it has the beaches of Rio de Janeiro, and the deserts of the Atacama. It has everything, and it's a place that many people, it might be the last continent to visit because for many people, I think they associate South America with, with just being an extension of Mexico, which it's not. So you'd say it's pretty underrated in terms of all the continents? In general, it certainly is, yes. Okay, so today you, you want to talk about a specific fishing trip. So how, how did that go? And you said you went to a specific area in Brazil, is that right? Correct. Uh, Ron Harris, who hired me, uh, I gave him a private ski lesson in Mammoth, and he had hired me in 1973. And we became good friends. And in 74, he told me, hey, next week you're going to go with me down the Amazon. And I said, really? You know, and that had been a trip that he had done probably eight times before. So it was kind of an elaborate fishing trip. In other words, we're going to go into the middle, if you can imagine, Brazil. We're going to go almost dead center into the middle of the, uh, what they call the Green Hell, the Mato Grosso of the Amazon River Basin. Was this one of the first times you've been to uh, the Amazon and your tour group, was it it their first time they went to that area? You know, I think it was, into that area, it was definitely my first. Um, Because it was so remote? So remote. Prior to that, my world travel, like many people, were, was going to like capitals of countries maybe a second city like St. Petersburg, if you're thinking of Russia. But this was going into the interior of a country that's not easy to get to, uh, and it's it's remote. And that was 50 years ago, so it was more remote than it is today. So now I'm, I'm going bisecting the country, and I'm going deep into its heart. And so... As before we talk specifically about this trip, I was just curious. You you're telling me a little bit about the company Amazon. So how, how did Jeff Bezos come up with that name? I, I read it was his idea to make the world's largest bookstore, and seeing as how the Amazon River is the world's largest river, not the longest like the Nile, but the the most tributaries, the most land and water area. That was his idea of calling his company Amazon. So he wanted something that was really expansive. Big. Okay. So tell me more about the trip. So you were on a houseboat. How was that basically set up? Well, it was on the Araguaia River, which is in the middle of the Amazon. And we had to get there. So we flew out of uh, Los Angeles. And those days they didn't have direct flights to, say, Rio de Janeiro, you had to uh, go to two or three cities in between and uh, transfer planes, etc. So we, we started out 
L.A. to Mexico City, and then Mexico City to Bogota, Colombia, and then on to Rio de Janeiro, where we were met. Because Mr. Harris had uh, operations all over the world, his operation in Rio was there in, to meet us at the airport and take care of immigration and our, our bags and luggage, which, by the way, were some of them were were footlockers full of ammunition. Really? Yeah. And then uh, Ron wanted to shoot some game while we were in the Amazon, so he'd taken his golf clubs and taken his guns apart and mixed the barrels and whatever in with the uh, with the golf clubs. So I remember the customs guy looking at the footlocker, which, like I said, was full of ammunition, and, and uh, he goes, what's that? And then Ron just goes, nothing. And they took his word for it. Took his word for oh, it. Wow. We got we got <laughs> we got through the airport, and uh, today, who knows what would happen to you, bringing up kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think that will work as well. But so, what, tell me more about any dangerous aspects going traveling to the Amazon at that time. What was something you had to look out for? Uh, I suppose the most dangerous animal in the world the, the kills the most people. The, the mosquito. Hippo. Oh, <laughs> mosquitoes. Yeah. Okay. When we met in L.A., there were about seven or eight of us that were going uh, that Ron put the trip together for. And uh, some of the people had, had bought, purchased these things to go around your neck, and it has a battery, and it, it's it, supposed to ward them off. It's supposed to ward, but okay. I, I don't think, I, I don't even know if they have those things anymore. But, you know, DEET or whatever type of uh, mosquito repellent, th- that worked. But, uh, you know, it's going to be hot, and it's going to be muggy, and there's going to be... Uh, a lot of animals that you don't see, such as the longest snake in the world, the anaconda, and uh, capybara, which is the largest rodent in the world, uh, they're all there, but you're not going to see them because the jungle's so thick. So you would basically spend most of your time on this riverboat, and then you would periodically get off, or how would you see? Yeah, we had to get to the riverboat, so... Uh, first, we uh, spent a couple of days getting oriented in, in Rio, in the Rio Sheraton at Ipanema Beach, which is right by Copacabana Beach. It was brand new. And so uh, we, we had a meeting. Uh, Ron had the penthouse floor of the hotel because, you know, he had two or three tour groups staying in that hotel every day. And uh, he, he uh, I remember he got us around and he had this fancy money belt uh, with a Tiffany brass buckle on it. And he said, I'm carrying something like $100,000 with me. And uh, what I'm going to do is uh, divide up the cost later. And then we'll, that, that's how well, I'll pay for the trip now. And then you can just pay me later. And I'm thinking as a ski instructor making $15 a day that I at least had a guaranteed job before <laughs> to pay off this bill that I'm going to get eventually uh, <laughs> for the cost of the trip. So let's delve a little bit more into the specifics of this trip. So how did, how did it go? How was your first day there? Well, from Rio, we flew into the interior of Brazil. And eventually we got to the town of Goania. And we spent a night there. And... Uh, it, uh, for the most part at that time, had just dirt streets. There weren't any uh, paved streets in that town. And then we took another plane uh, to the Araguaia River, 
which is where uh, the boat was docked. And the boat, it, what it is, it's a, uh, made out of plywood, and it has pontoons, and it has maybe eight rooms on it. And um, there's a uh, bridge on the top deck with a helm where the captain steers the boat. And then the last third of this plywood structure are four or five outboard motor engines. And then back in that area is a kitchen. And in the center is a uh, eating area. So I remember, I think we must have gone up, gotten up got into the ship by n at night and in the morning before I got up I was uh woken up by gunfire and really? uh Ron had put together the rifle and he was uh shooting uh wild game or I think he was shooting caiman they're like oh, a, really? like a crocodile <laughs> those are scary and uh off the side of the ship and so I I wake up to this gunfire and um that was the first morning it was a two-week trip on the, on the boat, and we would go down the Araguaia River, and um, after breakfast, we would get in smaller boats. I think we had three or four of them, and th there were enough crew that they uh, went along with us and uh, took us to different fishing holes along the river. We'd all go into different directions, and... Um, spend the morning trying to catch our lunch and dinner. So was, what kind of food would you eat? Like, well, what's customary in the Amazon? We mostly ate what we caught. And really? so fish. It's mainly we, fish. Mostly fish. And then we had a permit to uh, hunt caiman, which we ate several nights. It's like It tastes like... Uh, like chicken, probably? Like tuna. Or, more like tuna. The tuna? Tail. Okay. Yeah, the tail. Is, it's like a fish. Ugh. And so... Uh, <laughs> We would go out and hunt them at night. You'd you go out in the dark in these small same boats we used during the day, and you'd look for the eyes of the caiman, and you'd see the two eyes staring back at you with your flashlight, and then, uh, you know, they get shot, and we would, uh, well, our, our, our <laughs> someone jumps in the water. Yeah, the captain oh, of the boat, gosh. Julio, he he would get <laughs> out there and tie the thing up with a rope. How do you know there's not? other ones lurking around you know you don't you don't okay you don't. it's all part of the experience the, <laughs> yeah because I, I just thought of this today actually as, as a fishing trip but i always thought of it as a major adventure going into the amazon something i hadn't done before and uh, was you know i guess on the bucket list okay so how how many miles traveled would you say on the river? On the river, yeah. On the river, probably, for those two weeks, probably 150 miles. One time, on the edge of the Araguaia, is the second largest river island in the world called Banal. And we would we stopped on that island to go to walk to the interior, you know, a couple of miles from the shoreline, to a ranch. And a working ranch, probably a family there of... Three generations, you know, a dozen people all together. And we bought a cow. Okay. And they butchered it right there. Ooh. And I have pictures of all this. And they cut it in half. And they put that cow on a horse and brought it back to our boat, the small boat, on the edge of the river. Put that in the boat. Then we ferried that back to the houseboat. And then uh, 
did a barbecue that night. So would so, you periodically have to load up food while traveling on the? It was it was already set up before we got there, like okay. water and uh, and things they need to cook. But the majority of the stuff was fish, and the caiman and this cow. So, okay, so that was kind of the gist of all the food. Yeah. So what would you say? How many stops did you have on this this two week trip? We would stop every day three or four times. Three or four times. Okay, yeah. so you didn't feel like you were too kind of locked in on the boat you could walk around yeah and see the things. top deck was like a you know a giant uh didn't have a swimming pool it's nothing fancy like that but it had deck chairs up there and you could you know lay out with your copper tone at that time and get tanned but there was a time we were supposed to go um into town to get something and they decided that i would go with like the number two guy uh javier uh into town he didn't speak any english but uh, I could understand what, you know, I speak a little Spanish. So we go into this town, mm-hmm. and it is a very, very rough town. It, it Just on the edge of it, they were building the Trans-Amazonian Highway. So there were uh, people there, and I don't think this highway ever exists today. I think the jungle reclaimed it, but mm-hmm. it, it might be there. But they didn't have a road across the Amazon. They were building it. And they'd pay these construction workers uh, a lot of money. A lot of money. uh, Especially at that time. Or even today. And along with this camp of the road makers came uh, ladies of the night. They they, They followed the camp because that's where the money was. Yeah. And so this is like Sunday morning. Javier and I are coming into the... uh, uh, walking into the village to get some something we needed from one of these uh, cardboard <laughs> plywood-type stores. And he introduced me to the local sheriff. And the sheriff's leaning up against this tree, and he's got this uh, long Colt 45 uh, six-shooter stuck in his pants. And he, he's explaining to us how the night before, and we could see the blood in the street, in the in the, in the uh, dirt street, that these two construction workers, probably Caterpillar drivers, they got drunk and they started fighting over one of these ladies of the night. Mm-hmm. So they went out and they had a shootout right there where we were standing. Really? Only they killed each other. Oh my gosh. So there was no winners. And he was showing us the blood there. So this was, uh, this was like the Old West going into this part of the Amazon. And I I have no idea what it's like today. I've never been back. And uh, I'm sure it hasn't changed that much. Um, so why, why would you say it's like the Old West? Well, the, just the shootout. <laughs> we just just the shoot, okay. And then we're on, this, we're on the Araguaia River. And then north of us is the Shingu River. It starts at X-I-N-G-U. It's the Shingu River. And at that time... No white man or any Europeans had ever crossed that territory in the jungle. Uh, a couple years before us, probably in the late 60s, a uh, missionary group of French uh, uh, priests were walking to, to find the Shingu people, and they were attacked and all killed uh, by the bows and arrows of the Shingu. So that was what was to our north, where these wild Indian tribes and so uh, that, along with the gunfight, 
I kind of pretty rough area. Well, and it's an area that's pretty untouched, I guess at that time. But now it's definitely changes with all the environmental discrepancies that have been going on. But so, is this houseboat that you rode on? Is do you think it's still in the Amazon? And well, a couple of years after we had made this trip, I went in to see Ron, and he said, "You know what happened? the The houseboat, it it got." purchased by the, the number two guy that took me into town. And uh, it was his dream to own that houseboat. And the, the, the thing caught on fire. Really? And he got killed trying to put the fire out. Oh, my gosh. So that was the end of, of, of the houseboat oh. trips. <laughs> and uh, it was a pretty rough area. Would you, you ever go again? Yeah, sure. I think I would go to probably different parts you know, it's the size of the United States, the Amazon. It's huge, huge area. Uh, something like 20% of the world's oxygen comes from, uh, so they say, from the Amazon area. It's the Earth's lungs. You know, it's uh, it's the green hell, they call it, the Mato Grosso. Mm-hmm. And uh, super, super area. I've been, I escorted trips uh, right after that, groups uh, to places like Manaus and... Uh, Iquitos and uh, Leticia in the Amazon basis, north of where we were. But those are established cities. And uh, so, would you recommend this trip to many others? Is it is it a hard trip to plan? It's uh, not for everybody. Okay, so uh, this is even more of a smaller market of people. Very small, you know. Basically, I think uh, extreme hunter fisherman type might might go along with this they get a lot out of it yeah uh but uh your average uh person that goes to europe stays at a four-star hotel they're 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 not they're not going to buy into this (laughs) it's it's too you know they're going to stay back in rio and 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 go to places like that so would you say the only way to kind of get to this area is just by boat you know you can't Stay at some nearby towns and check out the Amazon. No, you can't. You can't do that. You you can take a, you can take a cruise ship up to Manaus, which is a big city on the Amazon, and uh, probably four or five days up from Belém on the Atlantic Ocean, and you'd experience the Amazon River, which is way wider than where we were on the Araguaia. But uh, you know, you'd be in the area. You might go to Peru. And take a boat down where the Amazon actually starts, tributaries, and end up in Manaus, and you get an Amazonian experience. They'd have you go into villages and see people that uh, uh, are, you know, natives to the area. But what we did is uh, really different. Um, and can it still be done today? I don't know. Uh, the people that did it before with Ron, his friends, were what they call the Tahiti boys, and they were. These three guys that went to SC, I think some of them had their MBAs or their law degrees from SC, and they started the uh, in Newport Beach the uh, restaurant called the Rusty Pelican, and they were Ron's buddies, and they had been on trips previous to me going on the last one. And as the story goes, Muck, who's one of the uh, Tahiti boys, there was Muck, Jay, and Kelly. They're the guys that started the Bali High Hotels, they're the ones that created the over-the-water suites that you see copied all over the world. Now, that was their creation and on Bora Bora. So uh, coming back, Muck, who's 
pretty much a wild type guy. He he got caught at LAX with a small um, um, Cayman in his uh, overcoat. He was trying to sneak it into the country, and uh, just didn't, did it work out or what? Uh, it it bit the customs guy, and I, I think he had to turn it over. Oh gosh! But somehow Ron, I guess with a little baggie. Uh, snuck in a piranha and it used to stay in his office for at least a dozen years in the valley in Encino where Hempel Harris that's the company he ended up owning and creating he had a piranha in his fish tank and uh, he had he'd snuck that in but what happened with me coming back from this trip was Ron was losing his hair and you remember, he's my boss. I have to do whatever he says, basically. So he says he's going to stay down in South America, but he wanted me to take back this tree bark that his brother, who taught English... Promotes in... hair growth? That's right. Oh, it, gosh. He says this, you boil it, and then it, it, it which it ended up not working. But anyway, he wraps this stuff up in this newspaper. This tree bark. Tree bark. Wow. And he says, you, you, you take it back. So, okay, I'll take it back. I, you know, it's not going to work today. But anyway, also I'd like to say that getting down there was not like LAX nonstop Rio, get off the plane. We had to, you know, hop down, hop back, making three or four stops. So finally we get into LAX, and I'm with two other people from the trip. And this is on your way back. This is on the way back. And in the old days, there was a conveyor belt. You, you got your bag, you set it down on the conveyor belt, you opened it. Without even asking, you open your suitcase and it went down the conveyor belt to the customs agent. Then he looked into your bag. So anyway, on t I had this tree bark in my bag. So it came down and I I'm tired. I'm looking down at the bag and the guy goes, what's this? And I said, it grows hair. And then I look up and I look like I'm looking at Telly Savalas, a completely bald-headed man. <laughs> and I thought, that's it. I'm going to jail. Yeah. And he goes, oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> close it, you can close it up. So what's the last tip you'd give someone before they wanted to travel to the Amazon? Well, watch your children because there's an 800-pound catfish, they say, can swallow a child along the riverbank. And the last thing is don't pee in the river because there's a urethial catfish that will swim up your urine stream and uh, embed itself, and you have to be, have a little amputation done. And that's for real. Wow. Well, that's where we're going to wrap up today. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the third episode of the Most Travel Podcast, and we hope you can join in next week for our next topic.